0: The Big Ten still unbeaten in bowl games. And who do we have to look out for on TCU with Michigan preparing for the college football playoff? You are locked on Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, thanks for tuning in to Locked On Big Ten, everything you need to know about the conference every single day of the week. Coming up on today's program, a recap of a bowl game and a preview of a bowl game. We've got Michigan and TCU facing off in the college football playoff semifinal over the weekend, and also the Big Big Ten so far still undefeated in bowl games this season. Minnesota picked up a win over Syracuse yesterday that we're going to break down here to start up the show. Before we get into any of that, though, a reminder, a thank you to make for making Locked On Big Ten your first listen every single weekday. We've got you every single day, no matter what you need to know about the conference and what's going on, we'll have it covered for you here on the show. Let's dive into everything that we've got to get into here today, starting with the Big Ten's second win of the bowl season, Minnesota defeating Syracuse at Yankee Stadium in the Pinstripe Bowl. A good win for Minnesota, no doubt about it. Game started out really slow. Uh, Both teams just kind of literally trying to get their footing on that Yankee Stadium field. It was a rough go at it to try and figure out exactly what they were going to do there with the footing at that field. It was not great in the field conditions. And let's be fair, when you're playing a football game on a baseball field, it's not going to be outstanding But it needs to be a little bit better than it was. If you're going to keep doing this, you can't keep having this excuse. And the Pinstripe Bull has been around long enough for us not to have to deal with this. I get it. It's New York in the winter, coming off of a really, really super cold weekend where the weather was not ideal for growing grass. But at the same time, you've got to have playable conditions. And there were times where this field seemed like less than that. Anywho. Once teams actually got their footing, both literally and in putting drives together too, scoring did start to pick up a little bit. Uh, scoreless first quarter, followed by some good scoring in the second quarter, Minnesota puts together a couple of good touchdown drives there at the very end, and ends up going into halftime with the lead. Uh, it was, in total, a good game for the Gophers on the ground as we expected. Minnesota did not pass the ball really in the way that we expected them not to. Ethan Caliugmanis ends up going down with an injury, and we'll learn more about that, of course, as time goes on. But it allows Tanner Morgan to get his storybook ending. The super, super senior who's been there with Fleet P.J. Fleck the entire time got to play in his final game, only ended up throwing seven passes, but completed four of them for two touchdowns, a total of 58 yards for Tanner Morgan. But he ends up being the... De facto hero of the game. Mo Ibrahim does his thing, breaks the single-season Minnesota rushing record. Tanner Morgan throws for his pair of touchdowns, gets Minnesota the bowl game win. It was a storybook ending all around for Minnesota and this team that largely, largely, not entirely, but largely is losing a whole lot of players out of this core group that's been with P.J. Fleck the whole time in this last game. So it was fun for that to happen that way. A key play, of course, of the game was a pick six early in that third quarter. Syracuse down 14 to 10, driving in Minnesota territory, and it ends up being Coleman Bryson, 70 yards, taking it all the way back to the house, puts Minnesota up 21 to 10, and allows Minnesota to get itself enough distance to win this game. Not comfortably, let's say, but Minnesota was up two scores most of that second half after the spark that that pick six ended up giving them. So I'd say a couple of really, really good points for Minnesota to have here. You get the two couple of touchdown drives that were really good to start the game. It it was Minnesota striking first, at least. Then you get yourself, once Syracuse got the field goal to make it 21 to 13 after the pick six and make it one possession again, Minnesota was really, really good in just well, showing the experience and getting itself back out in front in a big way quickly and getting that second possession lead. Again, you you don't expect every drive to go as quickly as that one did to get them back out at arm's length, but the Gophers just kind of showing why they were at that spot at that point. As far as other notes on this game, uh, this game was one that Syracuse had a whole lot of opportunities to score points and just didn't. Total yardage was 477 to 215, which is nuts when you think about it. 477 to 215. Total plays called Syracuse 85, Minnesota 49. So when you look at that, you got to be thinking, if you're a Syracuse fan, how did we lose this game? And the answer is that Minnesota just took advantage of the opportunities. The Gophers stood up on defense when they needed to. They executed on offense when they needed to. They got the big turnover, of course, when they needed to. And that's really just a result of the Gophers having their full team there. John Michael Schmitz ended up being the only Gopher that committed to the NFL draft before this bowl game, so the Gophers were whole as a team. Meanwhile, Syracuse, we talked about, didn't have Sean Tucker in the backfield, didn't have a lot of players over on the defensive side of the ball to try and stop things, and as a result, Minnesota just looked like the more complete team and played like the more complete team in the biggest of plays throughout that game as a result Minnesota ends up spending most of that fourth quarter up 28 to 13 Syracuse scores close at the end there and then ends up not ending getting the uh, onside kick in Minnesota after a weird penalty call and sportsmanlike conduct actually make sure that Syracuse never gets the ball back at the very end when it was one possession again. So a good job by Minnesota doing the things that, well, to be honest, P.J. Fleck hadn't always been trusted to do at Minnesota. Close out a game, keep a team at arm's length, not play down to the competition. Uh, And Minnesota now has, in something that I saw posted on, I believe it was the college football Reddit a few days ago, or I guess yesterday, it was Teams in the last three full seasons with at least nine wins. It's basically a whole bunch of blue bloods, and then Minnesota's just randomly in there, too. So, sustained success for the Gophers is something that is, of course, well welcomed over in Minneapolis with PJ Fleck. That's a look at what happened in the Pinstripe Bowl between Minnesota and Syracuse. Big Ten still undefeated at 2 0. And we've got, of course, more bowl games to get into. The college football playoff semifinal is starting. Saturday. Two Big Ten teams, two big games to get into. We're going to talk Michigan and TCU and what to expect from the Horned Frogs here on Locked On Big Ten. Before we do that, though, we need to tell you about Bet Online. BetOnline is the place to go for all of your sports gambling needs. You probably already knew that. If you need to get the latest lines, odds, props from anything going on around the Big Ten or the college football playoff, whether it be on the gridiron or on the hardwood, you can find it over at BetOnline. If you want to make sure you're getting all of the best information to make sure that you're placing the smartest bets, you can find it at BetOnline. The point is, if you really need anything as far as sports gambling goes, Bet online should be the first place you check. It's where the game starts, bet online. All right, let's talk a little bit of Michigan and TCU. The Wolverines and the Horn Frogs set to do battle here on Saturday afternoon to kick off the college football playoff, and I'm looking forward to what should be a really really exciting matchup. I mean, when you just look at some of the numbers that these teams put up, it's really really going to be a good one to see if these offenses are clicking. We'll get into that in just a second. Things you need to know. Both these teams put up a whole lot of points. Both these teams are 40-point average scoring teams, which is insane to even say. If you want to be a Michigan fan and be an optimist about things, you would say, well, Michigan did that in the Big Ten, and scoring points in the Big Ten no offense to the Big 12, is not quite exactly the same difficulty level as what TCU had been doing all season long. So there's definitely reason to believe that Michigan, with the same offensive numbers, should be thinking a little bit more optimistically about what they're going to be able to do. That's a good point. That's the thing, is that if you want to say, hey, they're just as good at this as we are, oh, well, actually Michigan had to do it in the Big Ten. So there's your argument. Because if you look up and down offensively, TCU stacks up pretty evenly with Michigan across the board. Uh, TCU is a top 25 passing offense and a top 25 pass rushing offense, something that Michigan cannot say it has. Now, If you want to argue that Michigan has the players to do both things, obviously there's evidence to say that. J.J. McCarthy killed it in the Ohio State game. Donovan Edwards killed it in relief of Blake Corum in when he went out. And this running game for Michigan seems like it's going to be great no matter who it is in the backfield for the Wolverines. However, you don't have that full season of seeing both the running game and the passing game do it. The running game's been doing it all year. But the passing game numbers for Michigan, as far as statistically, not so good. 60s, 70s as far as total passing offense, and it's not exactly a season-long sample size like what you have with, say, Max Duggan of TCU. That's the point here. It's a lot of what we were talking about with Purdue, I guess, as to how the Boilermakers pull off the upset, but now we're talking about playing a much better team, and it's not like, okay, will that end up being a factor against the Boilermakers it's now a question of how much of a factor will it be against TCU how much of a factor will it be that you have a quarterback who has not been tested throughout the entire season in the same way Max Duggan has how big of an impact will it be that instead of working with your Heisman candidate running back that you had all year you're working with the replacement who has been plenty good and proven himself but is still the replacement running back I don't know the answer to those questions, but those are the kind of same questions we're asking. But now, to be quite honest, we think it might matter because I don't think anybody really thought it was going to matter all that much when Michigan was getting ready to face off against Purdue in the Big Ten championship game. The point is the offense is consistent for TCU. On both sides, running and passing, they can and have been getting it done. You can say Michigan can, but they have not gotten it done both ways all season long in the same way that the Horned Frogs have. On the defensive side of the ball, though, a little bit of a different story. Michigan, of course, an outstanding defense. TCU's not so great. Uh, The rushing defense is 64th in the country, which is actually better than their passing defense, 83rd in the country. So if you wanna say they're a little bit better at stopping the run, you can, but the point is, this is a little bit, at least by the numbers, a Big 12 defense, if you wanna make that argument that Michigan's been doing it against better defensive teams. Uh, But if you wanna look at the ways that TCU is able to beat Michigan, there's clean football being played here. Same way that we saw with Purdue before in how they were able to take care of the football, but uh, just didn't get the same big plays in the title game. Max Duggan only has four interceptions all season, and that's pretty impressive when you think about how much TCU wants to throw the ball, wants to use him. And of course, he's a threat both through the air and on the ground as well. As far as other names you need to know from TCU, you've got of course Kendra Miller, running back, 1342 rushing yards, but the more important number even, 17 touchdowns for him. TCU relies on him to score the football just as much as it does Max Duggan and his arm. 30 touchdowns through the air for Duggan, but 17 scores for Miller on the ground is eye-popping too. On the receiving end, Quinton Johnson gets the yards. He's the only player who even came close to 1,000 yards at just over 900. Nobody else even got to 500. But as far as who scores the touchdowns, that's a team effort. And when it gets into the red zone, that's what you can expect. There are five different receivers on this TCU roster who have caught at least four touchdowns this season, but no one's caught more than five. There's two guys who have five touchdowns, Johnson's one of them, and then three others who have four receiving touchdowns too. So it's a very spread out attack when you look at who is the player catching the football in the end zone. There's no sort of go-to guy there. They spread that out, and it's why they've been so good passing the football. As far as what I want to see in this game... I'm looking for offense. I know Michigan's defense is really good, and I know that the best way, probably, for Michigan to win this game is to not really get into a shootout and try and play a Big Ten football game. But I don't care. I see one great offense in Michigan. I see another great offense in TCU. I see the way Michigan has played all season. I see the way that TCU fought back in that Big 12 championship game, and I've got those two things in my head, and I cannot wait for them to go head to head and hopefully give us a bit of a shootout in this matchup. I'm all for it, and I think Michigan can win it, because I think Michigan is now ready to prove to everybody that this offense is just as good as everyone's been anticipating all season long. Forget about the fact that nobody thinks the Big Ten had any good teams outside of Ohio State and Michigan. Forget about the fact that you're playing without some of your players, Best player, well, what maybe your best player on the offense all season And Blake Corm. These two teams are that, that kind of good. And I cannot wait to see what happens when they get out on the field here Saturday. It's going to be a really good one. I think Michigan, favored by a touchdown, is a pretty decent bet if you're a Michigan fan. Go ahead and take that Michigan side all day long. Michigan's defense, good enough for me to believe at least that there's a chance that they can stifle Duggan in the TCU offense enough to make this one not very close at the end. But I don't see a way where TCU blows out Michigan. I see a close game or I see a Michigan blowout here. That's the way I see this playing out. And it's going to be a good game no matter what. I just hope we do see a lot of points in it. That's what I'm rooting for more than anything maybe not quite as much as a Michigan win. But as far as how the game script goes, I want to see people airing it out. I want big plays. I want this to be played more like a Big 12 game than a Big 10 game, even though that may not be what's best for Michigan's chances. When we come back, we're going to finish with a little bit on what's going on around the Big 10. Just a quick note on one of the stories that's happening in the conference. I'll touch on that here in just a second. Before we do that, You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks a few becomes too many as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out you think of calling for a ride but you live nearby you can make it home okay and it's no big deal what are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway and even so what is the worst that could happen you get your insurance rates hiked up you end up losing your license or your job or maybe you kill someone Before we get into wrapping up the show, a thank you for making Locked On Big Ten your first listen every single weekday. When you're done here, be sure to make Locked On Sports Today your second listen. Peter Bukowski brings you the biggest stories from around the sports world in 20 minutes. Get the analysis and opinions before anyone else with our local and national experts and insiders. Locked On Sports Today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's finish up with a bit of an odd story coming out of Chicago, actually. It appears that the Bears, looking for a new president, have, at least according to some reports, eyed Kevin Warren as potentially the guy to take over the job. Kevin Warren, of course, Big Ten Commissioner, Kevin Warren, a guy who has had his name in the news, maybe more so than any Big Ten commissioner has had in the past year. Of course, with the Big Ten's expansion and everything that's going on with USC and UCLA and all of that, Kevin Warren's been right at the center of that. Not to mention, you throw in the Big Ten media rights deal, and as far as college football names go, Kevin Warren's been one of the biggest ones out there this past year. So his name's hot. And it makes sense that his name's popping up with other jobs, but the question is not that. The question is, is this a job he would actually take? And I think you need to be able to realizing, and I don't think too many Big Ten fans are having trouble wrapping their heads around this, but this is definitely a possibility here. I don't know how much you have invested in Kevin Warren being the Big Ten's commissioner, but here's what I do know is that since he's gotten here, he's worked fast. He's gotten UCLA, he's gotten USC, he's gotten the media rights deal, and he's beaten the SEC to that media rights deal, even though the math behind that was a little bit, in a way, where it was going to happen that way anyway. The point is, Kevin Warren has done everything he's been asked, and he's done a really good job of it really quickly, too. And if you ask me, he's someone who's advantageous and will jump to the next best opportunity. He was head of the Vikings ends up taking this Big Ten job in 2019. Just three years in now, he's rumored to be a head candidate for this Bears job. Why wouldn't he take it? He has experience in the NFL. It's, of course, going from leading a league to leading just one team, but as far as the money goes and the power, this is the NFL we're talking about. The NFL is king when it comes to all this kind of stuff. And also he has himself the opportunity, if he were to take this job, To spearhead the project in building Chicago its new stadium, which has already pretty much been laid out on the blueprints for. Someone just has to go and do it. Kevin Warren could be that guy. And with what he's done here in the Big Ten and how quickly he's moved, I would see easily why he would want to add this to his resume. Kevin Warren seems like a guy who has big goals. Uh, In the NBA, we talk about Brad Stevens. He wants to be the next commissioner of basketball. He wants to, of course, you don't say that because if you want to say you want to be the commissioner, you put a target on your back. But that's a conversation for another day. Brad Stevens' career ladder has been him moving towards becoming the commissioner of the NBA. Kevin Warren has himself, I believe, similar kind of aspirations in that he wants to move where his career suits him best. Or at least I wouldn't be surprised to do that. Because to be quite honest, right now he has himself a pretty comfy job as commissioner in the Big Ten. And while moving to the Bears in the NFL will, of course, be an upgrade, it is what's been historically a pretty dysfunctional franchise in the Chicago Bears. So do you end up making that trade? I think if Kevin Warren wants the kind of safety and confidence, I would say he's leaning toward the Big Ten. If he wants to get the next best thing to add on to his resume that he doesn't already have, then go to the Chicago Bears, build their stadium, build that team back. Because he has an opportunity here to go to the NFL and lead a team that's in a top three market in the country, an opportunity that does not come around all that often. So whether or not he goes, I don't know. But this is not something that is just the Bears throwing his name out there. I really don't think that. I don't think that this news comes out if that was just the case. I think this is something that could, if not be in the works, be at the very least discussed right now. and. With the way that Kevin Warren has acted before, of course, I don't know anything about him actually as a person, but with the way that he's acted before, it's perfectly reasonable to think that he would make the move because it helps him. And why could you blame him? So at least that's one thing to think about as, of course, we get ready for the college football playoff and whatever is going to come this next offseason and expansion and anything else that happens Will will we have Kevin Warren there for it to do it or for us to do it? I don't know, but I think we're gonna find out soon because again, as we also know, Kevin Warren, when he is moving, likes to move fast. A couple of scores before we finish up here on Locked On Big Ten. In hockey, Clarkson beat Wisconsin yesterday. Final score three to one. A little bit of a shocker there. Also, Minnesota, of course, kept the Big Ten undefeated in bowl games by beating Syracuse 28-20 and in women's basketball a few scores. Indiana lost to Michigan State as Big Ten play opens up 83-78, Illinois beat Wisconsin 79-63, and Iowa beat Purdue 83-68. Those are the final scores from around women's basketball yesterday and, of course, one matchup from hockey we mentioned. We will be back to preview Ohio State and Georgia here on Locked On Big Ten next time. Until then, be sure to tune in wherever you get your podcasts at Locked On Big Ten. 1-0 at the end when you're typing it out. That's on Twitter, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm at Nate with sports on Twitter. Nate Dickinson until tomorrow on Locked On.